I'm recording this by myself for the first time ever. So we weren't originally going to do an episode this week um, because it's a short week for Travis and I. Uh, if you haven't been listening or haven't, you don't know us personally, we are actually leaving for Vegas Thursday morning for my bachelor party. So Travis, along with myself, nine of our other friends, as well as, well as our dad, um, we leave early Thursday morning. So that means it's a short work week. We are busy trying to get things set up for us being out of the office for two days. Um, and really just didn't allow us for time to record, especially with me in the middle of planning a wedding and we're getting down to the last 31 days or so. So he's like, we need to give you guys a draft recap. I wanted to give you guys a couple other recaps on Avengers and Game of Thrones. Uh, me being the nerd that I am, the, the, the quote unquote nerd of, of, of the two drunk brothers. So we wanted to give you some content this week without taking an entire week off. So basically what we're going to do is I'm recording the intro right here. I'm going to give my thoughts on a few things. Then we're going to play our ad from Anchor, and Travis is going to close out the show with his with, with his thoughts. So, no, we're not drinking because because it's the middle of a work day. We're recording it separately for the first time ever, but still going to be some quality content for you guys. Um, we definitely wanted to put something out to give you guys something to look forward to. And then when we come back from Vegas um, next week, you'll hear about all of our hijinks and all of our crazy things that happened to us then. So without further ado, I really wanted to kind of talk about two big kind of nerd things that happened in my life this this weekend. So obviously, I went and saw Avengers Endgame, and I'm not going to give you guys, for those of you who haven't seen it, because I know a lot of people haven't, I'm not going to give any spoilers. Um, I'm going to give you like a non-spoiler reaction, and boy, oh boy, was it phenomenal. Just seeing all of the characters together on the big screen was uh, fantastic. I mean, if you guys haven't seen Infinity War... You guys know how it ends. Um, if you haven't seen it, I'm sure you still know how it ends with Thanos snapping and killing you know, pretty much half of the Marvel Universe characters. Um, but just seeing a lot of people fight together on screen was phenomenal. I mean, there was enough comedy in it that makes you laugh. It wasn't like overbearing like a lot of people think it is for a superhero movie. Um, there was a lot of emotional moments. I actually cried um, during the movie, so call me a bitch, whatever you want to call me on that. But I've literally been watching these Marvel movies for the last 10 years, ever since Iron Man came out in 2008. So to see everything kind of come to a, a culmination in, in, in this movie and see it all kind of come to an end because for those of you that don't know, this is the end of the current phase, the, the Thanos phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And after Spider-Man Far From Home that comes out in July, they're going to set up the next phase and how it's going to kind of work out. So to see it all kind of come to an end was beautiful. The movie was a little over three hours long, but it doesn't feel like it didn't feel like you were in a three-hour movie. I mean, it flew by. Just There's so much great stuff. Great action, great comedy, great chemistry amongst characters that really have never been on screen before together before. So it was it was fantastic. You know, emotional action, comedy. It kind of coupled every single thing together. I mean, $1.2 billion opening weekend worldwide. Smashed the, the box office record that Infinity War set last year. Nearly doubled it. Um, so if you haven't seen it yet and you or a Marvel fan, and you've been following along with the movies, you have to see it as soon as possible. Even if you aren't a Marvel fan, and you you know like superhero movies, you like action, you like comedy, you like you, you like emotion, I would, recommend, I would recommend going to see it. You don't even have to watch all of the Marvel movies, even though I recommend it. You can watch like a 10, 15 minute like recap of the entire entire MCU, and then go watch it, and I guarantee you, you will still enjoy it. You may not get everything that's kind of going on, but you'll still enjoy it. Um, so that's my kind of you know non-spoiler reaction to Avengers was phenomenal. 
Now moving on to Game of Thrones. The Battle of Winterfell happened this past Sunday and what I think was the best Game of Thrones episode I've ever seen on screen. A lot of people I heard say, you know, there wasn't enough dialogue. It was too much action. I disagree with that. We literally got two hours of dialogue in episodes one and two this season. Episode three delivered everything we wanted to deliver. And this is not going to be a a non-spoiler reaction because it's now Tuesday by the time you guys are hearing this, either Tuesday night or Wednesday. It's been three days. Shit's all over the internet. If you haven't seen it, that's your own damn fault. But the Battle of Winterfell was insane. And oh my God, Arya Stark is the baddest bitch on the fucking planet. The baddest bitch on the planet. You know, when when Melisandre told her that, you know, you're going to kill people with, with, with red eyes, green eyes, or brown eyes, green eyes, and blue eyes, it clicks in her head, oh fuck, I'm going to kill off the Night King and the entire White Walker race. And her just stabbing the Night King. And everything kind of coming to an end was phenomenal. You know, Theon went out on top as a hero, as as big of a character arc as that guy's had throughout the entire series. I thought his, his character was kind of pointless, but to see him kind of come to an end as noble as it was, was kind of awesome. Questions about ghosts have been thrown out there. I think ghosts is still alive. Um, you know, some of the guys from the night's watch went down very nobly, which was awesome. Um, and I mean, Leanna Mormont, holy shit. That little girl, has been leading an army since she was like 10 years old or whatever. And for her to take down the giant white Walker, like literally the, the, the guy that was a giant white Walker was insane. Totally ultimate sacrifice. She's my, I guess, co MVP for this episode, but the MVP has got to be Arya Stark for, um, you know, killing the night King. And and a lot of people throwing it out there that, Cersei has green eyes. So, I mean, Melisandre told her she's going to kill people with brown eyes, green eyes, and blue eyes. Cersei has green eyes, so is Arya going to take down Cersei? But that's kind of where we're at now. I mean, the Battle of Winterfell was awesome. Poor Dothraki are decimated. The Unsullied are, de- the Unsullied are decimated. You know, the, this whole entire gang took a huge hit. And now they're going to have to travel down to King's Landing to say, you know what, Cersei, fuck you. Here we come. And I actually think the people from the Iron Islands are going to come back. I think Theon's sister is going to come back to avenge his death and hopefully help, you know, the decimated troops that were at Winterfell kind of take over and, you know, really take over King's Landing. I think Euron's going to turn on Cersei at some point in time. We'll see. That's to be determined. Um, but I don't see that dynamic playing out very well. But I do think they're going to ride down the Winterfell now. And also... I'm not the biggest fan of Daenerys right now. She's acting very, very rash, and her character is really heading to a place that I don't think... It, it goes against everything everything Daenerys was in the first few seasons. Um, so I'm not a big fan of where Daenerys' character is kind of heading. That's to be seen. I mean, all she cares about is the Iron Throne. Like, Jon doesn't want the Iron Throne. Like, he knows he's a Targaryen. He doesn't want it. He's concerned that he's been fucking his aunt for the last, like, couple of months. And she didn't give a shit about that. She's like, that means you're the last male male heir to the throne on the Targaryen side, blah, blah, blah. Um, I honestly could see Daenerys dying and Gendry being on the throne, being the last heir to Baratheon. Because he is the rightful heir. Baratheon, Robert Baratheon had the throne. Cersei's kids aren't even fucking... Robert's kids are Jamie and Cersei, so they're inbred Lannisters. So it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out, but Arya is the MVP. Lyanna Mormont is the co-MVP in my eyes. be interesting to see how it plays out. I do think Danny's going to die. I do think more. Oh, by the way, RIP to Jorah Mormont. Um, he was an, a phenomenal character, overcame grayscale, um, and he died a very, very noble death, kind of defending Danny's. But um, 
I, I will miss him. There wasn't the other deaths in the episode while there were some main characters, and you know I'm not going to miss them. Theon's character arc finally got completed. So that's kind of you know my, my nerd recap with a, with Avengers Endgame and, and Game of Thrones. Now we want to move on to give you a brief recap of the draft. Now I'm sure Travis can give you a much more in depth you know recap of the draft because he has some very very strong feelings about it. I just want to give you my brief recap here in about ten minutes or so. So basically, we're going to give you the three best team, the three best drafts from teams, as well as the three worst drafts, three biggest reaches, and three biggest steals. So these kind of go hand in hand. So my three best drafts. Number one I have on my list is I have the Jacksonville Jaguars, mainly because they got Josh Allen at pick seven after so many teams passed up on them. We'll talk more about that in a second. And Josh Allen is also one of my big is my biggest steal of the draft in my eyes. To get him to get that value at seven, I could have I could have seen him going to four to three at, at the Jets, to four at the Raiders, even to five at um you know, I forget who who picked uh, Devin White at, a, at, at of LSU off the top of my head, but he could have gone at five as well. Um, so I think that, you know, the Jags getting Allen at seven, also drafting Jawan Taylor in the second round. In our mock draft, we had him going in the first. We had him as one. He A lot of scouts had him pegged as the top offensive line talent in this draft. And the fact he fell to the second to the Jaguars in a position they desperately need to protect Nick Foles going forward, I think was to my in my eyes like they got two of the best potentially one of the best defensive ends in the draft in Josh Allen you know at least top 2 and then potentially the best offensive lineman in the draft and Jawan Taylor in the second round so great draft by the, by the Jags front office also snagging Gardner Minshew in the 6 was great the quarterback out of Washington state i think he's going to have um you know even if he turns out to be anything at all even even a good backup for Nick Foles that was a great value get um, then kind of going on, my second best draft is going to kind of probably surprise people. I think the Panthers had a really, really good draft. They got Brian Burns at 16, which is a great value after a lot of teams passed up on him. A lot of scouts had him as the third, fourth best DN in this draft. And for a very, very deep DN class, for the third or fourth best one to let, to make it to 16, I think it was a phenomenal value. He's got a lot of bend, a lot of, a lot of stretch off the edge, edge can, and can really, really get after the passer. Also, I think their best pick was snagging Will Greer in the third round. People like slept on Will Greer. I mean, this kid did some phenomenal things at Florida before he got in trouble, had to transfer to West Virginia, then just slung the ball all over the place. Cam Newton is known to get injured. They've always had problems kind of having a reliable backup behind Cam Newton, and I think Will Greer kind of fills that void. He's going to get to come in, learn the offense, no pressure to start. He knows that. Cam Newton is 30 as well, so if they get a solid three to four years out of Cam Newton, and then Will Greer's, Will Greer's groomed to overtake him, he, we could be looking at the next like Aaron Rodgers type deal where he can learn the offense for two to three years before he's ready to take over. So again, the Panthers snagging Will Greer in the third was a phenomenal, phenomenal get in my eyes. And I have them as the second best draft. The third, maybe kind of homerish for those of you out there, I had the Broncos. Um, I thought they were for sure going to snag Locke at 10 when he was still there after the, the Giants fucked up. We'll talk more about that in, in a minute. Um, but they ended up trading back from 10. They traded back with the Steelers so the Steelers, Steelers could go up and grab um, Devin Bush, the linebacker out of uh, Michigan. And they traded back to 20, got Noah Fant, who was like basically uh, been marketed as a five-tool tight end player. Um, he can do it all. He can catch the pass. He can run routes. He can block. He can pass block. He can run block. So for them to trade back and get that value at 20 is great. And getting him at 20, 
pairs great with the steal they got in the second round. Drew Locke, in my eyes, was one of the biggest steals of the draft. I have him as third overall's biggest steals. I mean, he fell all the way to the second round. People had him, I mean, he was one of the top three quarterbacks in this class. You talked about um, Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, and then Drew Locke was third. I feel like everyone had that. And for him to pick picked in the second round, as late as he was by the Broncos, was a steal. They got Noah Fant. Everyone who is a Missouri fan knows that Drew Locke loved Albert O and his tight ends at Missouri. So you get a great tight end, Noah Fant, for him to throw to. Also, a couple of great offensive lineman pickups to protect both Joe Flacco this year and Drew Locke going forward in the future. Drew Locke gets to come in, learn that system under Flacco. It's phenomenal. They're, they're kind of similar quarterbacks. He can learn a lot from him as long as Flacco's willing to, to teach him some stuff. So I think the Broncos, to me, had the third best draft in my eyes by getting a lot of great talent at tight end, quarterback, and offensive line. Um, so again, you know, my two of my biggest steals we just talked about was Josh Allen at seven for Jacksonville and Drew Locke in the second round to Denver um, at, at quarterback. The three worst drafts, these teams, for to me, just by what they did in the first round, had the three worst drafts. The first one, first and foremost hands down, is the fucking Giants. I mean, the Giants had an absolutely horrendous draft. Taking Daniel Jones at six, and that is my biggest reach right here, so that kind of alludes to that. My my biggest reach is taking Daniel Jones at six overall. What in the fuck were they thinking? Drew Locke was on the board. Haskins was on the board. I mean, shit, I would have taken Will Greer or even another quarterback over... Duke's Daniel Jones. The kid, I'm not even going to spew off his stats. Look him up for yourself. He is horrible. Had an awful college career. He is not going to pan out. That was a super big reach by the Giants front office and a horrible pick at six. Then they go on to pick Dexter Lawrence at 17. They could have gotten Daniel Jones there. They could have gotten him there. They could have even gotten him when they traded back into the first round. But then they take Dexter Lawrence at 17. I mean, not a horrible pick by any stretch of the measure. But, I mean, his overall rank was 26 according to ESPN. Um, I mean, there was definitely better players available on the board at that point in time. Offensive linemen that the Giants desperately need. Um, A couple other defensive players that were there. And then they traded back into the first round to, to take DeAndre Baker, the corner out of Georgia, which... On my in my eyes was the third best corner in this draft. They passed on Byron Murphy and on Greedy Williams. Um, so to me, you know, they totally fucked up the first round. That was horrendous. The second worst draft in my eyes were was the Oakland Raiders. Um, and first and foremost, starting at their pick with four, they picked Clellan Farrell, the defensive end out of Clemson. Clellan Farrell. They could have gotten him again with their second first-round pick. So with their second first-round pick, Clellan Farrell still would have been there. Whenever the Raiders picked at 24, he still might have been there. I mean, this is just a super reach. And I feel like them picking Clellan Farrell and the Giants picking Daniel Jones really kind of fucked up the rest of the first round. So Colin Farrell is actually my second biggest reach after Daniel Jones. The Raiders picked him. Then they go on to pick a running back at 24, which which was the Bears' initial pick. So they basically essentially traded Khalil Mack for Josh Jacobs, running back out of Alabama. Is he a stud running back? Yes. But was he worthy of a pick at 24? Not in my eyes in the slightest. And then they kind of go on to pick Jonathan Abram, the safety out of Mississippi State. And if you listened to our draft, our pre-draft episode, we said there was no safeties worth taking in the first round. And not only did they take one, the Packers traded back into the first round and take one as well. Packers, me, are a close second 
sorry, a close fourth for worst draft just for that pick alone. They had a decent pick in Rashawn Gary, but the fact they traded back up to pick a safety at 21 to me didn't make any sense. So the Raiders taking a safety at 27 made zero sense to me. So three best drafts. Quick recap, Jags, Panthers, Broncos. Three worst drafts, Giants, Raiders, Falcons. Three biggest reaches. Obviously, we would have talked about two of them. One being Daniel Jones uh, at six. Two being Colin Farrell to... um, Oh, sorry. The the my, my third worst draft is the Falcons, and that kind of leads leads into my my third biggest reach, and that's Chris Lindstrom, the offensive tackle out of Boston College. This was one of the first offensive linemen taking off the board after Jonah Williams went to went to Cincinnati, and it was just a horrible reach, an absolutely horrible reach by Atlanta. I mean, you look at you look at Chris Lindstrom. I mean, yeah, he's he's a guard. Um, he's Number one overall at guard, but tackles are at a premium. He was a 41st overall rank, according to overall prospects. So they could have gotten him in the second round even. So super big reach there by Atlanta, I think. And they also had, to me, the third worst draft because um, they also drafted Caleb McGarry at 31. That was a better pick than what they picked at 14 with Chris Lindstrom. So my three biggest reaches, Daniel Jones at six to, to, to the Giants. Colin Farrell at four to Oakland, and then Chris Lynchham, the offensive guard out of Boston College, at 14 to um, the Falcons. I, just, I, I didn't like that pick. I get what they're doing to try to protect Matt Ryan, but I didn't love it. That leads into my three biggest steals. We already talked about the first one. That's Josh Allen, the defensive end out of Kentucky to Jacksonville at seven. That was a phenomenal, phenomenal get. My second one we haven't talked about yet, it was Ed Oliver at nine to Buffalo, the defensive tackle, defensive end out of Houston. I mean, the guy can do it all. We talked about it on our pre-draft episode. He's kind of like that hybrid on the D-line, kind of getting a tackle, is good in a 3-4, is good in a 4-3, can, can play end. Um, so the fact he fell to, to Buffalo at 9, a team that pretty much could, could have used anything there, they did a great thing by drafting best player available. So phenomenal, phenomenal pick for, for Buffalo there, getting Ed Oliver at 9. And then obviously my third biggest deal is getting Drew Locke, the quarterback out of Missouri, to Denver in the second round. A little, little bit of a homer selection there, but I definitely think that the teams that needed a quarterback that passed on him with a quarterback available are going to regret that in the future. Um, Mark my words on that. Drew Locke is going to come in. He's going to study his ass off. He's going to be a phenomenal quarterback. So that's my kind of, you know, big kind of draft recap along with the the Avengers and and Game of Thrones, you know, thoughts on my side. So we're going to play our ad from Anchor. And then after that, you'll hear Travis's thoughts on the 2019 draft. See you guys next week. Um, Hopefully I don't die in Vegas. Hey everyone, as you know, we've been recording with Anchor for about a year now, and honestly, it's the best way to record a podcast. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast because A, it's free, B, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. I'm actually recording this ad from my phone, and they'll distribute your podcast to you for free to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and like 10 other platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership required, and it makes everything so simple. If you want to start a podcast today, go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, what is going on, everybody? Hopefully, Jared did a good job of covering 
Avengers Endgame and Game of Thrones uh, episode, I believe, three. Um, hopefully he you know, went full on nerd mode and gave you guys everything you needed, but also didn't spoil it, uh, especially, I guess, Avengers, since, you know, if you haven't seen it yet, hopefully it should be able to, you should be able to listen without giving away any spoilers. Although Jared's sometimes good at that. I mean, um, you know, I'll be watching a show that I haven't seen before and Jared will go, oh, hey, like, where are you at? Has this happened yet? Uh, no, it hasn't. Thanks, Dick, for ruining it, though. Um, Beside the point, I'm sure you did a good job. I am going to see Avengers tonight, so I will let you th- know what I think of it. Um, but anyway, the NFL draft was this past week and weekend, um, and it was kind of a shitty one, I have to say. Uh, I was This was probably the draft that I was most anticipated for, for me in my life, and it was kind of a letdown. But first off, um, our like mock draft that we did, we got a total of six picks right. Out of 32, so that's not bad at all. Um, we didn't get any of the trades right, but, I mean, that's kind of almost impossible to predict, uh, especially because you don't know how the draft is going to go. But um, we're gonna, I'm going to talk to you about you know, what I take away from the draft. So I got three winners, uh, three losers, and three of the biggest reaches and three of the biggest steals that they got. Um, so I'm going to kind of break it down. It was kind of tough because nobody really stole the draft, I would say. Um, but, and a lot of teams actually shit the bed. So it's kind of tough. But let's go into our three winners. Um, my number one winner, I would have to say, would be the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is one of the better steals in the draft by them. Came in round one. Um, it wasn't a need for them, but Josh Allen, a top five pick, fell to them at number seven, and they absolutely had to take him. Like I said, their defense doesn't really need all that help. But if a Josh Allen talent falls to you at seven, you have to take him. So that's only going to add to their incredible defense coming up this year. Also, one of the more shocking falls in the draft, Jawan Taylor, who fell out of the first round. He was thought to be the number one you know, offensive tackle on the board. Fell out of the first round, and the Jags traded up with their second and fourth for the Raiders' second, fifth, and seventh. So they got a damn good deal on that trade. And got Jawan Taylor early in the second. It addresses their offensive line needs with one of the best ones in this draft, like I said. Um, and those two steals alone are enough to make the Jags have one of, if not the best, drafts this year. Um, and then also in the sixth round, I like this pickup. They got Gardner Minshew, the quarterback from Washington State. Um, I'm not sure if he'll ever get a shot behind Nick Foles, but he has a lot of upside and potential if given the chance. He could possibly get some playing time. Um, if Nick Foles gets hurt or goes cold. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's a good pickup, kind of late, deep in the rounds. Like I said, I don't think he'll ever get the chance. But if he does, I think he could do a good job. Jacksonville Jaguars, two great pickups um, in the first and second rounds. And I'm going to give them a grade of an A. Um, and the second winner I have is the Buffalo Bills. kind of seems odd to me. Um, Dolphins fan, so kind of a division rival. Um, the Bills – Somehow landed Ed Oliver at nine. Um, I had him dropping maybe as low as 11 if things kind of fell, you know, not his way. He's a hybrid defensive lineman who could have went as high as pick number three, however. Like I said, I'm a Dolphins fan, and the thought of playing against him twice a year is kind of scary. Um, he, you know, is an animal on the line. He can be a pass rusher. He can, be, he can fill those holes. 
um, at, on the run defensive line. They made one move in the draft, and that was in round two. They moved up to get Cody Ford, the offensive tackle from Oklahoma, who also shockingly fell out of the first round <clears throat> and kind of right into their laps. They swapped seconds and lost the fifth-round pick in the process, so it's not bad from an offensive to get an offensive tackle who's one of the better ones in the draft. Um, and another one of their pickups that I saw that was really solid and they got in the fifth round is Voshan Joseph, uh, the linebacker from Florida. Watched this young man over the last couple of years. He, I heard his name you know, a lot on the football field. He's an undersized linebacker, pretty small, so I feel like that he kind of doesn't have that going for him, and that's why he may have dropped to the fifth round. But he has the speed and the ability to shoot gaps and chase down tackles across field. Um, and I like that pick a lot. I think that he could be a good player and a good, you know, backup linebacker to kind of fill that void when they need it. But the Buffalo Bills had a great draft, addressed some of their needs. I'm going to give them an A-. And then this third this third pick for, you know, one of my three winners was a little tough. I had to choose between three teams. I ultimately ended up going with the Denver Broncos um, as one of the top three teams in the draft. They made some moves, and I think they executed it perfectly. One, they moved back in the first round to number 20 and got a great tight end in Noah Fant. Um, I think this fits perfectly for them. Denver is pretty known for developing great tight ends. Um, they got a solid offensive tackle, Dalton Risner. He's a top 20 prospect, um, and he fell to the second round with their pick. And they used some picks from their first round trade to get back-to-back picks in the second to select Drew Locke, a top quarterback prospect in this class, debatably you know, top two, top three might be the best one to come out of it. And they got him at pick number 42 in the second round blows my mind that he fell out of the first round, even though it might be a little home bias because we're Mizzou alums, but it's kind of crazy that they got him at number 42. They also used their third round pick to get Draymond Jones, solid interior defensive lineman out of Ohio state. Um, you know, some people had him going mid, mid to late second and they, he fell to them at the third, at the end of the day, they made some solid moves, did what it takes to get the picks they needed and the players they needed, um, and they still profited a 2023rd round pick out of all the moves they made with who they got. I'm going to give them an A. Um, so it was kind of tough for me to pick those three, so I'm going to go ahead and do two just honorable mentions. I'm going to list them. The Washington Redskins were right there with a good draft, an A-, minus. and the New England Patriots, I think, had a very solid draft, and I'm going to give them an A- minus as well. So with the winners comes three losers. Uh, I'm going to go with the teams that had good picks and didn't execute them very well. And I kind of ignored the people who didn't have first or second rounders, like the Bears and the Chiefs who just didn't really have a loaded draft. Um, so my number one loser, I'm sure you guys all see this coming, it's the New York Giants. You simply cannot take Daniel Jones, a fucking quarterback from Duke, at number six overall. This man was at least, you know, the fifth best wide quarterback in his class. I mean, nowhere near top 10 prospect at all. And the Giants go completely rogue and pick him at number six. Blows my mind. You know, I thought this was a Dwayne Haskins all the way. They take Daniel Jones, and I was honestly shocked. I was shooketh when I heard this fucking pick. Um, and then with their second pick, and they got um, with the OBJ trade, they take Dexter Lawrence, which – you know, it's not really a bad pick, but it's a bit of a reach at 17. Um, <clears throat> you know, that could be that could be said. I don't think it was a crazy bad reach, but I don't love the pick. Um, and then 
they trade back into the first round at number 30 to get cornerback DeAndre Baker, who is easily, you know, the third best cornerback, but he was the first one taken off the board. You know, there was Byron Murphy and Greedy Williams stayed still there, and they gave up their second, their fourth, and their fifth round picks for this. What a fucking mistake they made. Shit the bed completely. Uh, New York Giants, I'm going to give them a grade of a D minus here. And then the second loser I have, uh, our own Miami Dolphins, and they have to do it to them. Um, quarterback desperately in need. Two of them on the board when pick 13 comes up. Haskins and Locke still there. Nope. What do they do? They take defensive tackle Christian Wilkins out of Clemson, who is not even needed at all. One, I thought it was a little bit of a reach that he was taken at 13, but that's a different story considering that he was not needed. Two quarterbacks there. Offensive linemen are there. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's a good player, but that's just somebody that they did not need. If you didn't, if you didn't need that pick, at least trade back if that's not what you're wanting. But they take him, whatever it is. That's not the worst mistake they made. They made the dumbest move I've ever seen a team make in the second round. They gave their pick to the Arizona Cardinals with a 2025th for Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen, people. And then for all these people saying that he's young, you have to give him a chance, hear me out. In Arizona last year, he started 13 games, pretty much the whole entire season. He played in 14, came in, uh, what would that be, in the, third, in the third game he came in? He ended up with 11 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. He had the worst QBR in the league with the 26.6, not to mention they had the least amount of offense in the league by 800 yards less than the next team in front of them that is absolutely horrible like I understand if if he's like at the bottom tier and you trade for him but to to say the least he's the fucking worst quarterback in the goddamn league and they traded for him before that you say he had a bad team the man had David Johnson in the backfield he had a huge veteran wide receiver in Larry Fitzgerald and a young up-and-coming wide receiver in Christian Kirk Compare that to the Dolphins offense. Calm, like They have Kenyon Drake, you know, uh, Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills. Like That does not even compare to what the weapons he had in Arizona. Call me a bad fan, but I hope that this trade falls on its face. By the way, the Dolphins did profit a 2022nd out of the draft, so it makes it a little better, but I'm still going to give them a grade of a D-. Going into the third pick, or the third worst, I guess, team in the draft, which was a lot to pick from. I'm going to have to pick the Oakland Raiders. They had three picks in the first round, and they managed to somehow fuck every single one of them up. They picked Cleland Farrell at number four, which is probably one of the most head-scratching picks um, that they had. He would have been there at number 24 um, that they had, which was their second pick, and they took Josh Jacobs there. Yes, a need. But Alabama's running backs are almost always turn out to be sketchy draft picks. Um, that's a topic for another day. But, you know, a need, don't hate it, whatever it is. But they take safety Jonathan Abram out of Mississippi State at 27. Like, I am not really sure what they're thinking, considering I'm pretty sure they could have gotten Abram in the second, maybe even the third. I don't know how valued safeties were. But to take him in the first, to trade up into the first, and take him. Uh, no, they didn't trade up. My bad. But they still took him in the third. They could have traded back and gotten him. Um, 
They did, however, get a good cornerback out of Clemson in the second uh, round, and they picked up Clemson wide receiver Hunter Renfro in the fifth, who I feel like has to be at least 29 years old by now. Um, in the end, they also profited a fourth-round pick this year, which I believe they took a DB or a wide receiver. Um, but, hey, they tried to make up for the earlier fuck-ups. Still had a horrible draft. I'm going to give them a D-. minus. Some of the honorable mentions – um, for terrible drafts this year. Houston Texans, give them a D plus, and the Atlanta Falcons with a C minus. All right, now that we talked about teams um, and how they did, best and worst, I'm going to go into the three biggest reaches that I had. And I'm going to keep this quick because I feel like we've covered most of them. There were so many reaches in this draft, but I have to pick the ones in the first round because they were that bad. Um, there were plenty of others, but I'm going to go with ones that were pretty obvious. We're going Cleveland Farrell to Oakland at number four. He could have easily been there later on in the first round. And if not, this class was so loaded with defensive ends and edge rushers and defensive linemen that they could have gotten somewhere else, someone else. They could have gotten a very much bigger role player at number four than him. Uh, number two, I'm going with Daniel Jones. Uh, he went to the Giants at number six. We all know this one was bad. Not even first-round talent. The only reason he was considered first-round talent was because the lack of quarterback depth in this draft. Somehow he ended up being a top-ten pick, whereas Haskins and Locke both fell out of the top ten. He had to have been happier than, like, fucking Grandpa Joe and Charlie found the golden goddamn ticket in his Wonka bar um, when they called his name at number six. Like, honestly, shocked me. Another shooketh pick. Um, and then number three, I'm going... Titus Howard, offensive tackle. He went to Houston at number 23. But about all the offensive tackles to pick from, he was the one that was not a first-round talent, I have to say. He's from Alabama State. I don't know if they got confused and thought this guy was from Alabama and they picked him or what. But Jawan Taylor and Cody Ford were both available here. Um, I feel like they definitely reached on this and just made the bad pick. If they wanted him, they could have traded back and gotten extra picks and gotten him in the second. Honorable mentions for my reaches are Darnell Savage to Green Bay's pick at number 21 and LJ Collier, uh, Seattle's pick at number 29. Just two kind of ones that kind of make you look at it and be like, really, that's who you took there when you could have gotten them at least 10, 15 picks later. Um, and then kind of lastly, I just want to touch on the three biggest steals that I think um, happened. One of them, honestly the best pick in the draft was Josh Allen to Jacksonville at number seven. He's easily a top five talent fell in the hands into their hands there at seven. And it was easy for them. They had to take him just from the sheer talent factor and like, okay, this guy's here. We have to take him. I already mentioned they didn't need him, but he's just so good at seven. You have to take him. Also, I'm going to kind of go a little bit, maybe shockingly here. I'm going to say Byron Murphy uh, fell to Arizona at 33. Looking at this guy, I looked at his tape, watch him play. He's easily, I think, the best cornerback in this draft class. Many teams pass on him in the first, and I think they're going to regret it. He's athletic. He's quick. He has vision like no other hands. Um, just from watching his tape, you should look at it. This guy's going to be good. I love this pick and this guy. Watch out for him in the future. And then the third biggest deal, I think I'm going to have to go with another corner, Greedy Williams to Cleveland, who fell all the way to pick 46. He was projected as the top corner. Like I said, I like Byron better, but he was right there next to him. Projected a top 20 pick, 
falls to the middle of the second to a Cleveland team who they get an absolute steal because they already are young and dangerous team. Um, I think they're going to win their division, and it just adds to the amount of weapons they have. Steal by them, and I hope Greedy does good things there. Um, and then two honorable mentions I have. Uh, DK Metcalf fell to number 64 to Seattle. Um, he's a huge wide receiver. I hope he does really good things. Seems like a really genuine good guy, and I hope he does good things in Seattle. And then Drew Locke to Denver at 42. This man is easily a top 15 talent. I can't believe he fell out of the first round. Again, pay some homage to me because we're both Mizzou alums, but the fact that he fell out of the first was a bit ridiculous. Um, and I was going to include Dwayne Haskins in honorable mentions, um, but I feel like they were going to get him anyway, um, whether or not they traded up or, or not, but they kind of just fell. He fell into their hands. I wouldn't say it's a necessarily steal because looking at Dwayne Haskins, looked like he's been kind of, you know, cheating on his diet a little bit since football season ended. He's getting a bit hefty. Jarrett said he kind of reminded uh, me and him, honestly, of Jamarcus Russell. Just kind of got a little big, might let himself go. Hopefully he does good, but I wouldn't consider that a steal. Um, and that kind of wraps up my thoughts on the NFL draft. Um, very disappointing. I kind of was just like, man, I really wish some things would have gotten shaken up, like in a good way. Instead, all the things that, that shook up the draft were, were negatively affecting teams, and it was just it was shitty all around. But I um, hope you guys enjoy that. And we will be in Vegas this weekend, uh, so it's going to be exciting. We'll kind of show you guys uh, you know, what we're doing, some picks that we're going to be putting out, some sports books. Um, so it should be a good time. We just wanted to record this little episode and kind of recap some things before we left. Um, but I want to make an announcement to all you SoundCloud listeners out there. We know we have some stragglers that just listen on SoundCloud. We are canceling our premium account with them because we are on Anchor. Um, so we're on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. So if you're those SoundCloud listeners and you don't have an iPhone, you don't have Spotify, the Anchor app is free. Um, download it, Android, um, Apple Store. Um, it's free and you can find us on there. We want to keep you guys our loyal listeners. So we want to make this announcement to you guys before we cancel it. So um, subscribe, follow us to Twitter, tweet at us, and we look forward to seeing you guys soon. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun. So winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.